welcome to C3 Belconnen. We hope you enjoy our latest Sunday message. Really looking forward today to uh, sharing some thoughts as we've been spending some time praying and fasting together as a church and as we've been preparing for this sort of gradual return to gatherings of all different kinds and whether that's you gathering with friends or family watching church or maybe thinking about coming uh, along physically to join us at a church service soon there's a a real sense of excitement uh, around that and you know we are we are tracking into a new season we have been through many seasons this year more seasons i guess than seasons right where uh, we're kind of deep in winter here but it's been a year of sections as we've grappled with all of the changes that have been going on and we've spent this last week really i think praying and fasting at a changing of seasons Praying and fasting and seeking God individually and as a church as we move into what He has for us. And I just want to remind us, because I know this has been my experience, that, that, that there is something that we are stepping back into. One of the most challenging things I've found over this COVID season has been that some of the things that I've missed, I'm also weirdly hesitant to get back into. Uh, you know, it's like the last couple of weeks we've been getting back out on the sports field with our kids and they've missed that desperately. But boy, did it take some effort to get everybody motivated to do that uh, again. I've noticed that it's been hard to get back to the gym and get into my normal routines, even though that's something uh, that I've at times missed and said I really wanted. Uh, and, you know, as much as we hated homeschooling, boy, it was hard to get everybody ready and out the door again to go back to normal schooling. And the same thing can be true of us as we look at ourselves as the body of Christ, as the church. And there's a, a sense of wanting to gather again, but hey, we've almost got to overcome a bit of inertia and to get moving again. You see, any form of community, the sporting club, the gym, school, or church like this, it actually takes something. It requires something of us. It's a decision to step into community. And I just want to continue to encourage you not to hold back, but maybe to kind of dust off the boots again, get back in the game and hey, let's step back into community with all of its lumps and bumps and beauty uh, as we find ourselves, uh, well, as close as we can be together again. Let's celebrate it. Let's appreciate it. Let's, let's kind of commit to community again. You know, and one of the fun things we've been doing is praying and fasting together this week. We spent time in smaller gatherings across the week, uh, praying together, and I know groups have been doing that uh, in, in homes as well. And it's just been a great sense of unity, even though we have been spread out. And that's one of the powerful things about prayer. That's one of the powerful things about being reminded that we don't do this journey on our own, that we are better together. We're called not to follow Jesus in isolation, but our mission and vision as a church is to actually help people follow Jesus together. And we'll keep putting that out there over and over again. And right at the start of this week of prayer and fasting, God took me to a, a passage where that I didn't expect. And it's actually in Revelation uh, chapter 22. And it was strange to start something at the very end. You see, Revelation 22 is the very last chapter in the Bible. And I was uh, surprised at first that that's where uh, you know, God was leading me and giving me this picture that I want to share with you this morning as we began our week of prayer and fasting. But I quickly realized that it was exactly right. It was just what I needed to hear. And I believe it's what God wanted me to share with you guys uh, as well today. 
It's a picture in a lot of ways of the conclusion of things. It's the glory of heaven. It's the new heavens and the new earth. It's a picture of the new Jerusalem that, that starts in Revelations chapter 21. And you know, this has been the subject of much study and a lot of interpretation. And if you, if you go away and do a little bit of reading around it, it can seem quite challenging. But I want to just remind you that what it is at its core, it is a picture of the glory of God and His people in relationship with Him. It's the picture of full restoration of God's plans for this planet. In fact, in the new uh, NIV translation and other translation, it's got a, a heading, something like, uh, you know, Eden Restored. And it harks right back to the way God think, created things in the Garden of Eden and called us to walk in close relationship with Him. But it includes and involves you and I today. While it is a picture of the end of things, it, is also, it also speaks to where we are at at the moment. Let me, let me try to give you another way of understanding that. Years ago, when I first got my driver's license, I did a defensive driving course. And one of the, one of the moments in that course right, and I'm going to use this as my steering wheel, was learning how to handle an out-of-control car. And what happened the first few times that I was put on that skid pan where they put a bit of oil and water on the corners so it's very slippery, is that what happened as I was turning that corner, I was fixated on where my hands were. And I was looking right in front of me. And what I needed to do, what the instructors helped me understand, is I actually needed to be looking at where I, ne I wanted to go, not just at what was right in front of me. And that is what happens when we understand the big picture of what God is doing. When we look not just to what's right in front of us, but actually look to the, the conclusion, in a sense, of God's story that we are a part of. That's not just something that's so far into the future that we don't need to think about it. It actually shapes our actions in this very day, how we see things ending up. And so let me read to you this passage that is talking about the restoration of all things, this link back to the Garden of Eden as God's perfect vision for mankind is restored and we get this amazing glory of the heavenly realms. In Revelation 22, it says this, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. And His servants will worship Him. And they will see His face. And His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. This is a prophetic picture. It's very descriptive. And we understand in a lot of ways that as we read Revelation, we're often reading a, a, a limited human's uh, mind trying to describe the glory and the majesty and the unlimited power of God. And so we, we read this as, in some ways, as what it is. It is poetic language. It is prophetic. It is painting a picture for us. And as God led me to this passage at the start of our week of prayer and fasting, I felt that what it was was not just a picture of what would be, but a reminder of what God is calling us into. That while we've been in this season of, of isolation, while nothing is as it used to be, let's not lose sight of the fact that God is and has always been at work. He is drawing us and He is drawing all of history to this glorious conclusion in Himself where He is fully revealed and where He is fully glorified, where Jesus is on the throne 
and we are worshipping Him for all of eternity. That is ultimately what awaits followers of Jesus. And it's really easy to detach ourselves from something that might seem so far out in front. But let me show you how this can help us in our day-to-day life. This is a striking picture. And in fact, it's one that has elements that come up from the beginning of the Bible right to the very end. It talks about the tree of life. Well, that is uh, a central part of the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, as they chose to, to eat from this tree that they were not supposed to, and they were then uh, brought sin into the world. And that began the fall of humanity that we all walk into this very day. This is talking about the restoration, the separation that that brought about. This is the restoration as we become one together in the presence of God again. What an incredible image that is talks about this river of life. Well, there were four rivers that flowed out of that Garden of Eden, but this river of life, it really picks up an image by the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 47 uh, of that book. And this picks up the similar imagery of this, this river flowing from the throne room of God. And what this river does is it brings life. As, a, as it goes out from the throne room of God, there are trees bringing forth fruit along the sides of it. It uses similar language again, that the leaves of those trees are medicine for the healing of the nations. And as this river goes out to touch the sea, it brings life. It turns what was maybe salty and, and dead and couldn't sustain life. It brings life. And to me, this is a reminder of the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, the life-giving power of God that we have through relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus himself said in in a prophetic moment, he said, I am the water of life. I am this, this, this river of life. And he said, those who follow him those who chase after him, this, this life will flow out of them. Rivers of living water will flow out. Jesus is the water of life and these rivers of living water will flow out of us as followers of his. You see the sense of a, a river flowing. This water has always been a powerful image of God at work through the Holy Spirit and of his life flowing through. We're told here in Revelations 22 that this river that is coursing down the center of this main street is the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. What an amazing picture when we're living in a world that so often is focused on what is decaying, that sees death and, and right now hey, sickness all around us and we're fixated on disease and all of it. We're reminded that, hey, you know, God is the source of life that we have this life in us as followers of Jesus and that we are not just to experience that, but to carry it and also to share it. This is a reminder to me that you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, have received those living waters and it's designed to flow not just to us, but through us as well. As believers, we are recipients and conduits of the life of God given to us in Jesus Christ. You know, Psalm 46 also talks about a, a river in the city of God. And it says that there is a river that makes glad the city of God. This is the life of God. It brings joy. It brings hope. It stirs up all the good things that God has for us. You and I have the life of God and we're called to bring it to others. That's the first thing that God showed me out of this passage of Revelation as we prayed and fasted together this week that, hey, we are bringing life. Remember, guys, that we're not in this on our own. We are not just living for ourselves, but we are living to be used by God to bring life. We are, in a a lot of ways, those trees planted by the side of the river there. 
we read that this river flows down the main street and on its side are the trees of life. Now, depending on the translation that you read uh, and or what look at uh, commentaries as well different theologians talk about whether that might be one tree of life or 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 a tree of life on each side or even a you know a picture of a row of trees that that form uh, up along the riverbanks right but what's important is these are the trees of life and they bear fruit now, the bible says that you and i as followers of jesus are actually called to bear fruit in fact proverbs chapter 11 puts those two images together and it says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. That means that as you and I have received salvation in Jesus Christ, as we we learn and grow in Him, as we discover what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that that we become God's witnesses, and that as we live out this God-shaped life in our society, in our community, wherever we find ourselves, it should bring life to others. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The beautiful thing about trees is that they produce fruit. We are called to be continually producing fruit as the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. This is a reminder that the work of God is active in our lives every single day. It says there that there are 12 crops, a new one each month from these trees. And, uh, and again, I don't have the time to do a deep dive on this. In fact, you could probably spend a year trying to unpack all the different things that this can uh, mean and point us to. But that number 12 is, is quite important. There's a few things that's signifying here. It's signifying that there is continual ongoing fruitfulness. Most of the trees that we might experience, they produce fruit in a particular season. But these trees are continually producing fresh and different crops of life. You know, the number 12 is often said in God's word to represent his perfect authority. This is the place of God's total rule and reign. It is working the way God designed it to work. The number 12 also is, might be familiar to you uh, as often having to do with God's people. There were 12 tribes of, of Israel in the Old Testament. And as Jesus draw those followers close to him, well, there were the 12 apostles. And, and to me, God showed me in this passage for us in this season, church, this is a reminder that, hey, we're in the game. We, as God's people, are called to receive from this, this river of life. We are those called to be a part of those trees that are producing this fruit that brings life to people. And hey, how about that, that second part of that image that says the leaves are a medicine that brings healing to the nations. Oh, that stood out to me in this season. It's a reminder that, hey, we are not just to hold back, not just to shrink back and go quiet, but hey, our, our understanding of God at work in us means that we are called to bring healing to the nations. The leaves are the outermost parts on a tree. These trees that you might be able to see in front of you that are around me here, this is the outermost part of that tree, right? These are the things that reach out. You and I are not called to recoil and hold back, but to reach out and be ministers of healing and of reconciliation. That is what God is about on this planet. Restoration and reconciliation. And we are called as God's followers to be a part of that. I love that image, this leaves that are, uh, that are bringing healing and reconciliation to a lost and a broken world. Ezekiel 47 talks about those leaves as well that bring healing to the nations. I tell you what, you don't have to look far around you right now to see people who are in need of healing. They're in need of physical healing. There are uh, people in desperate situations. We are continually grieved as, as lives are lost to this virus. There are people who are being impacted physically and emotionally, mentally as well. There is so much need for healing. 
that comes through hope, that comes through words of life, that comes through encouragement and just acts of love and kindness that you and I are called to be bringing into our world at the moment. It may be a bit more difficult than, than sometimes it has been. It may take more of us, but we are still called to bring healing and life to those around us. As we get towards the, the end of, of this picture as well, it says, it says, there is the removal of the curse. No longer will anything be cursed. That's the curse of sin that came in through the, the fall of mankind in the garden that brought sin and death. It's brought separation from God. This picture is of all of that broken down. It's a reminder that Jesus Christ has made a way. He has broken that curse for you and I. He's broken the power of sin and death. We don't walk under that cloud. If we put our trust in Him and receive His forgiveness, we are healed, we are restored, we are set free, and we walk in His righteousness. And I love the picture of God's people as it says, there is no longer any curse, that the power of sin and death is broken, that separation from God has been ended once and for all. It goes on to paint this picture of God's people. All right, it says, and His people are there worshiping Him. His servants will worship Him. They'll see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night. This has felt like a season of night. It's felt like a season where, and so often the color and the life has gone out of things. But what a reminder that we are called to be worshipers. We are called to see God face to face, not from a distance, but up close and personal. We are actually called to be known and marked as His. That's what defines us. You know, over this season, so many of us have struggled with a sense of identity and where do I fit now and everything is changing. But hey, we are called. We are drawn to Him. We are His servants. We are marked out as His. That means we're not just individuals. We're not strangers. We're not wandering exiles. We've been called home. We've been brought into relationship with Him and into His family. What a powerful reminder in this season of what we are called to be as followers of Jesus and as members of His body. We're called to be those who pray that heaven would come to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. We're called to worship and to celebration, to gather, to, to build a sense of community, to build one another up, to be healing and life to the nations. We are called to be a part of God's work in us individually and also together. I love this sense that God is calling us back to Himself in this season and painting this picture prophetically to us of what He is about. And as we finish up uh, here today, Melissa's got some encouragement as well that she's going to bring to us just as, as we're reminded of what it is to be a part of the body of Christ. I'm so looking forward to what you're going to share with us now, babe. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you so much, babe. And I know that Nick always leads us so well in this, in, in, in coming back to the gathering. And as we were talking this week about the heart for, for the gathering, the heart for staying in this together, I was really moved not long ago. Uh, by a bit of a word from the Lord that I want to share with you. You know, the Christian journey is always up and down. None of us are promised a perfect life. None of us are kind of a get out of jail free kind of moment. We don't get that in terms of the life we live. What we do understand is that with all the challenges, with all the wrestles that you and I face, and, and none may be uh, greater than what we're in right now, uh, perhaps for you and our country and our, even our world, 
But the challenges and the wrestles come with a promise from God. And that promise is that God never changes, that he is the one true place that we can go back to. He is the place that we can always return to. And yet in that, in the challenges, in the wrestles, what I felt happening in me personally over this season is a little bit of a hardening. Uh, perhaps a, a kind of a wall going up. Maybe it was out of kind of survival mode. Maybe it was out of not being in church and kind of not being able to gather with people that encouraged me. Maybe it was just life's dynamics at the time. But I felt God really show me that I had developed a little bit of a hardness towards the gathering and towards Him even. And I heard that in people's voices in people's voices on the phone, in people's voices as we did begin to gather, there was just this little bit of a hardening. And I asked God about it. I said, well, God, I don't, I don't ever want that to become part of me. I, I've always been so aware that, that life can really um, kind of wear on your relationship with God. And so I've always been very wary of that. And, and I said to God, well, what does that mean for us as a church? What does that mean if there's a hardness there? And the only word I could come up with, and to be honest, I've run with this to other people and said, is there another word for this? Because I, I kind of was trying to come up with one. But no one had one that's, that worked well. So I'm going to use it. And I felt like God just said, Melissa, we need to be soft to God. We need to be soft towards the gathering. And you see, when an object becomes hard, it actually becomes more vulnerable to the challenges, to the wrestle, to the being taken out. You know, I remember early on in my dating life with Nick, he'd come from Queensland and he'd never seen a frozen windscreen before. And so he went out to his car one morning and he realized it was frozen. And, um, and I had luckily said to him, make sure if you have a frozen windscreen, you use cold water, not hot water, right? Because what happens when something that is frozen is exposed to the element, an element that is opposite to it, it actually cracks, it actually breaks. And I felt like God just showed me that picture, that as we are exposed to all these challenges and these wrestles, to remain soft actually increases our strength. It actually makes us make sure, ensures that we don't crack. And right now, I feel like you and I need to come to the foot of the cross and to allow the softness of God in our life again, a softness to gathering together a softness to praying together, a softness to doing whatever He calls us to do. You see, right through the Bible, we see this challenge. And one story in particular stands out to me in Genesis 17 and 18 and even 19, where Abraham and Sarah, uh, uh, they, they hear from God. In fact, God visits them more than I've ever seen him visit anyone before. He gives them words. He tells them what to do. And there is one thing, though, in their world that became a place of hardness. And it was the, the, the issue of being able to conceive a child. And God had come to them and said, I promise that you will conceive a child. And the actual response from Abraham was one of laughter. And I just sort of went, oh my goodness, 
That can be us sometimes, where we have one or two areas in our life that become so hard that when God visits us and promises us something, we actually, hopefully don't laugh, or <laughs> but we actually respond with doubt, with questions, with, I don't know about that God. And yet God is trying to bless us. I wonder if it's a little bit like that in your life, in an area. Maybe there's something that you need to give over to God. Because do you know what I found amazing is the journey that Abraham and Sarah went on. So Abraham gets a word from God in 17, Genesis 17, and he laughs at God. God has said, regarding your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, but from now on will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give her a son, give you a son from her. You see, I actually think that one thing became a hard spot in both their lives. Literally the next chapter, we see Sarah get the same word from God. I'm promising you a son, God said. And Sarah has the same reaction. He, she laughs at God. And you see, I love that God in all his mercy takes them on a beautiful journey. And so far, so much so that when she bears a child, Abraham is soft enough before God to take him and offer him as a sacrifice to God. Wouldn't it be amazing if the thing that had become hard in your life, the thing that you struggled with most, became something that you were willing to give up and the blessing of to God. You see, hardness is going to make your world uh, break. It will cause you to distance yourself from people. It will cause you to distance yourself from the church, from the gathering, and ultimately distance yourself from God. And I don't know if this is you, maybe it was just me, but I felt like God really shifted something in my world. And that word softness is not a weak word. It is a word that is about being adaptable, about being flexible. Isaiah tells us that God is the potter and we are the clay. Should the clay ask the potter what he's doing? No. You see, you understand that Isaiah understood that no, the, the potter is the one in charge. He is the sovereign one. And as God was as God was talking to me about this, I realized I need to decide to soften before him. And so I knelt in worship and I prayed and I said, God soften me. And the most amazing thing happened. I got an excitement about my spiritual world again. I started to dream of the day that I could actually walk into these, this building and worship with a group of people to actually get to a connect group and pray together, to go out and disciple and pastor people like I love to do. And I felt God just soften me for my family, for my children, for my husband, even for my nursing, for my work. I felt God soften me. You see, the river that Nick was speaking about, we have the river of life. And you see, I believe we can kind of just stay in the shallows of the river where it feels safe and it feels secure, or we can step right into the middle of the river where the current is actually the strongest and the most powerful and the most impacting. You see, you and I this morning have a choice of whether we are hard or we are soft. In this situation, God never changed, but perhaps you and I have. And we need to actually challenge ourselves and soften ourselves towards God. We can either choose life or choose death. It's very, very clear. 
And you might be watching online and you've never, ever actually made the decision to choose life. You've never said to God, I want to follow you. Not just in a way that means I go to church on a Sunday or I read my Bible once a week, but in a way that actually acknowledges God as Lord. He is, he, he, he has to be Lord. He can't be half. He can't be kind of an occasional band-aid. He has to be Lord. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.